0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode uh, 54. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is the Informed Catholic. And today we're going to do um, catechesis. We're going to do a catechism. And we're going to basically focus on God. God who and what is God what makes God God and why God um, I think this is important because I don't think we we really comprehend who God is I don't think we talk about this. We don't contemplate this. And I think this is important. We're going to really try to exhaust this as much as possible because in our modern world, we take God for granted. We, we, um, we take his, we take the Lord's name in vain, that's for sure. We see it in movies. We see it uh, in literature, we see it in our entertainment. We hear it in we hear it every day at work. We hear it with people around us, family members. Uh, that we do enough. And that you no, know, that is tragic and sad. And then, of course, the other half is, uh, in our modernist world, we've been told that there is no God, that God is a figment of our imagination, that God doesn't exist. Or, if he does exist, you know, uh, we have a twisted modernist view about God, You know, if that's not enough now with the uh gender ideology we're told all kinds of twisted views about God. Is God a he? Is God a she? Is God both? (laughs) You see? And this is this is unfortunate. So Join with me. Uh, We're gonna look into this. We're really gonna look into this, and we're gonna look really deep. And it, if it has to, um, I'll go several episodes. I probably will. Till we finally exhaust it, everything we need to know about God. So, let's begin. All right. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, O Lord, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, instruct the hearts of your faithful that we may come to know you, love you, and understand your will. We ask all this through Christ Jesus' name, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Ephraim, pray for us. St. Ambrose, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. St. Jerome, pray for us. St. Athanasius, pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen in the book of Exodus we have the we have the um, the encounter of Moses with God in in the desert and in it we have where God speaks to him from the burning bush and he tells Moses uh, what to say to the children of Israel when Moses asked how, I mean, what what am I going to say to them? Here, here's the scene, chapter 3. The call of Moses. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the animals across the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire burning in the midst of a bush. He observed it, and behold, the bush glowed with fire, but it was not consumed. Moses said, I I wish to draw near to observe this wondrous thing and see why this bush does not burn up. The The Lord saw that he was approaching to see god and he called out from the bush moses moses he answered here i am he continued do not approach take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground he said i am the god of your ancestors the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And, of course, it goes on here. Um, this part, God reveals his name in verse 13. I just read to you uh, from uh, chapter 3, verse 1, uh, down to verse uh, 6. Moses, in verse 13, asks... Moses said to God, If I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your ancestors sent me to you. But they say to me, What is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Then he said, You shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, you will say to the children of israel the lord the god of your ancestors the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob sent me to you this is my name forever this is the title with which i will be remembered from one generation to the next all right that was from verse 13 all the way up to verse 15. And I read also from uh, chapter three, verse one to verse six. I read that because I thought that was um, important. Um, More, I mean, in the in the other chapter, chapter twenty. He says, "I am God Almighty who brought you out of the land of Egypt." but I think this was sufficient uh, for, uh, for the for the beginning of, of understanding this of God because there's so much, a lot of Catholics don't know their faith and when you ask a lot of them this even though they've gone through catechism a lot of it doesn't necessarily stay retained and a lot of it I think it's because a lot of it gets lost forgotten Um. maybe because you know I mean seriously when you're when you're about to go through confirmation I mean you look at these kids and if you see them You're going to see also the same picture over and over again uh, through the years. They're reluctant. They're just doing this because their mom and dad told them they got to do this, right? There's no real encounter with God. Let's just be honest, okay? The catechist is just doing what they're supposed to be doing. And maybe some of them are very sincere. And I'm sure some of the kids are very sincere. But let's face it. This sincerity, this um, act of faith, or this catechism, is only going to be as good as the environment the kid grows in. All right? And this environment is not just at church, parish, or at the Sunday school. It has to be at home, and that's where the problem lies. It's not as deep. All right, it can only be as deep as it is at parish life, as well as as well as at home, because you know most people go to go to school. I mean, go to church only on a Sunday. So between Sunday and Sunday, that's the question, right? Right, that's the real question. How much faith is at is it at home between Sunday and Sunday, between those days, and that's the problem. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. It's you have to wonder how much time in the Bible do does the kids watch their parents pray before they eat? Um, do they do they discuss? Do they discuss? Uh, God, sorry, the window's open, and that's where the this is where it is. It's important, you know because when i i saw these kids one day you know they looked reluctant they really looked reluctant they didn't want to do this this was not cool this was not fun they didn't want to take a picture of the of the catechism class they were in imba- you know this is so stupid you know come on it's so stupid so If they're thinking that way, the problem is it's between Sunday and Sunday. And the reality of the faith is not being lived out. You could give them all kinds of like the same formulas over and over again. But the problem is you're competing with everything else around you. And I know the catechist, the catechist teacher knows this. Um, I'm sure they know this so i'm not I'm not putting down the catechism teacher I'm just saying is that unfortunately we're not living in the culture of faith so there, there there's there's a big problem and I, I don't have the solution for it i mean the only solution I can say is is the home life and not just the home life but the the community of faith the community of faith is not serious you know an environment of god is really what counts and the identity of being catholic the identity of being catholic is also very very important that's also very very important i believe meaning to to really nurture and build a community of Catholic identity Protestants do it very very well they do it beautifully well and if you don't believe me look at some of the Instagram accounts of some of these Protestant kids all right who really believe who really have a strong uh, Bible foundation a strong uh, a strong belief in Jesus it it will put your Catholic community to shame. We look more atheistic compared to them. So yeah, the reality of God is very, very strong. Alright. The the culture of faith is very, very strong. Now I'm not saying there are no Catholic communities out there that think this way, but the problem is with Catholicism is that our pastors, our teachers, our our bishops have a very light touch and they're also afraid and they' are they're, they're afraid of having a, a strong culture of faith so you know there's more social justice conscience than there is a strong culture of faith so that's a big big problem there God is real he's real whether whether we have a culture of faith or not but Every tree, as our Lord said, is known by its fruit. Okay, if a good tree does uh, does not bear bad fruit, right? A good tree does not bear bad fruit, and a, ba- a bad tree does not bear good fruit. So, every tree that does not bear good fruit must be cut down and thrown in the fire. Meaning eventually God has to abandon it because it abandoned God, that community abandoned God. So we need a culture of faith. We seriously, seriously need a culture of faith in New York City. It's hard and I know it's hard. Um, I'm sure it's hard in New Jersey, but maybe, um, out in the suburbs, Maybe out in the country, it might be different. I don't know. But our kids have a lot to compete with. They have a lot of attention, uh, things that grab their attention. Uh, Rappers, rap music, video games, sports, uh, movies. um, You know, everything that basically uh, wins, uh, wins the day. Every uh, social uh, media idol, uh, pagan idol that comes from, from, from the, uh, the, the secular culture is going to win the day, unfortunately. And that's, that's what we have to work on. All right. So um, I'm going to use um, Father Horton's uh, pocket catechism. It's actually quite good. And then uh, we're gonna move. We're gonna sort of like uh, we're gonna move from catechism to catechism because I really want to first focus on God. I want to focus on God first. So the first foundation we're gonna focus on is the Apostles' Creed. I'm gonna use the Aquinas Catechism because it it has some interesting foundation questions first. Okay the Apostles Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty Creator of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary he suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified died and was buried he descended into hell and on the third day he rose again from the dead He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay. The Apostles' Creed is actually the oldest one. The Nicene Creed, the longer version we use, that we use on Sundays, and that actually grew out of the Apostles' Creed. Now, um, the reason why what's important here is, one, the first line, the first article, actually, uh, there's two parts to it, but the first article, we're going to focus on that one first line i believe in god the father almighty the father almighty the second line is basically this is part of the first line but let's divide it for here creator of heaven and earth now this attribute is almighty it will give birth it will be divided into 15 recognized attributes Fifteen re- recognized attributes. Some of them we know them um, already. You know, basically, it's very easy to pick them out. He's Almighty, meaning he's all powerful, right? There's that. That pretty much says it all. He's Almighty. He's all knowing, meaning there's nothing that he does not know. He knows everything we do not know. He knows everything about ourselves. He's almighty pretty much means he's not dependent on anything. He is self-existing, self-sustaining. He's not dependent on food, water, he's, he's not dependent on anything to keep him alive. Any anything outside. If he has any he needs anything to keep him alive, he's not God. So, this is something we have to really, in a sense, let it let it sink in our heads. You have to let your mind f- just you have to let your mind go and dwell upon this, realize that he is God. That's why when you hear that first line, "I am who I am." the The line probably in Hebrew is more accurately. I am who am. Okay, I am who am. Sometimes in a movie you might hear it like in the original Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, "I am that I am," which is also accurate. They're all accurate in their in their translation because really, you're not. You know, all translations are interpretations. Okay, and the writer tries to stick you know, close to the um, to the you know original as possible, but that pretty much says it all. Now out of that almighty, okay, comes, like I said, all other attributes. An attribute you can say is a characteristic, a defining characteristic that is completely absolute within itself. Almighty, all powerful. Okay, okay, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't need to feed on any cosmic food. He is complete in himself. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need to rest to uh, recharge his batteries, like uh, Odin needs to go into the Odin sleep, like you see in the Thor movie, or, um, uh, they need to feed on some kind of divine fruit, like the Greek gods or the, any of the gods need, like some kind of fruit or something like that. That, that doesn't make them gods. Um, he doesn't need sex. He doesn't need water. He doesn't need entertainment. He doesn't need, uh, to 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 procreate sexually, he doesn't need any of that stuff. He doesn't need to drink wine. He doesn't need to, like I said, eat eat some kind of fruit or to keep him to 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 recharge him. None of that. He doesn't need to be sustained by anything. He is absolutely self sustaining. You know, that's. You know, that's the first step. We're going to, basically, we're going to, f- we're going to use this part of the segment to just p- pretty much use our own reasoning. Okay? Now, in, uh, the great Socrates was known to to say, this is something I read somewhere. When he approached the Athenian philosophers or the Athenian school or in Athens or one of the schools in Greece. If there are many gods, can there be many truths? They didn't know how to answer. He he him in a he put him, he put them in a in a in a really serious predicament and he laughed. So you don't know. You don't know. And that we know this we know is 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 something very important. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one truth. In the modern world we live in, they don't like that. They don't like that. Now, the reason why this is so important for you as an individual and for me, for all of us, is that If you can say that truth is relative, meaning it can change, that puts all of us in danger. It puts all of us as a a person in danger. Truth is one of the attributes of God. We're going to get to it, but I'm going to focus on this from a layman perspective. To try to communicate this from a layman's perspective. Like, you know, just an ordinary everyday person. If we say that there is more than one truth, then in a sense that really puts all of us in danger. That gives, that doesn't make justice right. It means it's been, uh, it gives, it gives people the manipulation. Someone out there, someone out there will be able to manipulate and commit an act of injustice against us, an, an immoral act against us. We're dependent on the fact that there is only one truth. That's, this is important because God is truth. This protects us. This keeps us safe from harm. From an elitist, I mean, from an elitist person who sits on his, sits in his or her ivory tower to be be able to perform an act of injustice against us. There's right and there's wrong. You've heard people say this. You've heard a lot of older people say this. There's right and there's wrong. To say that there is more than one truth says there's more than one right. And it says that wrong prevails, injustice prevails. And you can bend the idea that you're gonna wind up on the on, on the other end of the of the of the uh, you know of of basically those who are wronged. This is very important for us. I know some of you thinking, well, don't don't a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people do this. A lot of people end up with no justice because they don't have the knowledge of justice. And to have the knowledge of justice means that you have to have justice in you, meaning you have to believe that there's God. God is just, God is good. You've heard those lines. Those are the attributes. Those are another attributes of God. You know, when we say God is good, you've heard that line, God is good you've heard muslims say god is great that's god almighty okay and this is important i am the way the truth and the life that's this is when jesus said that that was very very important you know blessed are all of you who who hunger and thirst after justice you've heard that that's in the beatitude Blessed are you who are persecuted, for justice' sake, for righteousness. Right, that's. Let I me mean, think about it. If Jesus said that, what, is he, what does he he mean? He means those who hold who who have God in their hearts, who have God, who live, who live with God being almighty, truth, and justice, and righteousness. That's very important. When people don't have that, they will go out. They they will live with revenge. It is a line in the Bible where it says, "Just uh, vengeance is mine," said the Lord. I will repay. Because God's justice, God's vengeance, God's vengeance basically is rooted in justice. God is not like human beings. He doesn't need because revenge for a human being for any human being is outside the realm of justice. The person may fool themselves and say, I did it because I wanted justice. No. Once you go after revenge, once you seek vengeance in your own heart, I can bet you it doesn't end there. Vengeance for human beings is always rooted in hate. And when you take vengeance... When you take the road of vengeance, you're going to feel like you're God. And when a human being feels like God, think of Adolf Hitler. Think of Mussolini. Think of um, corrupt politicians. Think of um, the worst dictator you could imagine. It doesn't end there. It never ends there for, for ordinary people. It never does, I'm sorry. It always ends with you, know, with, you know with more pain, more suffering, more injustice, and the you know, and always, always more. You know, and that's that's what that's why you have to start off by believing that God exists. God the Father Almighty, God the Almighty. We have to begin there and we have to understand all the other attributes of God and why it's important for us to believe in them. So we can, we can really, really, you know, develop a relationship with God. Once we believe all these attributes about God, I can guarantee you, put your, you have to depend that these th- you have to believe that these things are true, and why they're important. So, okay, so we began with this simple approach. So let's uh, let's go look further on what Almighty means. Father um, John A. Horden. Okay, it's a really good little book here. Uh, he was a Jesuit, S.J., Society of Jesus pocket Catholic catechism, a concise contemporary guide to the essentials of the faith. Uh, Opening chapter one, I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. Just what we went through. The opening article of the apostles creed is also the most fundamental. It lays the foundation for everything else. We believe as Christians, it is remarkable how many truths of faith are implied in the simple in the simple sentence i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth each of these truths has been questioned in the course of the church's history and each is being challenged today that is why as catholics we have no choice In the modern world, we must know exactly what we profess in the first article of our creed. The method we plan to follow will be carried through the pocket Catholic catechism. Often a short introduction like the present one, we will look at a series of truths that underlie each principal area of our reflection always attempt both to understand what what we mean by what we believe and how this faith should be lived out in actual practice. Okay, so let's start. So I'm not going to go into the faith part. I want to go into the attributes first. Okay, because I think this is the faith part. I think once we understand the attributes, this is, my approach of how I think a lot of the young people today, they need to understand the attributes first because I think God is the biggest one. You know how people say, does God exist? And I think in the modern world, a lot of, a lot of us really want to know does God really exist? So let's start off. Ready? The attributes of God. When we speak of God's perfection, we call them attributes because we attribute to him, Each qualities as belong to the divine nature. So right there in attributes is we're talking about his nature, sort of like you can say his divine characteristics. Yet all the while we realize that these perfections in God only dimly correspond to human language, to various properties and creatures in reality the divine attributes are identical among themselves and with the divine nature. But in our human way of thinking, there are different attributes because they are like differences we see in creation, which itself is a manifestation of the indescribable greatness of God. The Apostle's Creed gives only one attribute of God, and that he is almighty. Since apostolic times, however, the church has identified no less than 15 divine attributes. And by now, a library of literature has been written to explain what they mean. God is absolutely one because he is the only being who must exist. And because there are not many gods, which is polytheism. Okay, so there's only one God. We start off by saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. In other words, I believe that there's only one God. Remember I mentioned how Socrates asked the question, If there are many gods, can there be many truths? Well, this is basically, let's put it this way. If there's many gods, can there be many almighties? It doesn't sound right, right? Because each god can't be almighty. It doesn't work that way. To believe in one god means there's only one almighty god. So, like I said, we're going to try to approach it from a layman's perspective. Let me shift a little bit here you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings Tolkien in his Similarian, he tried to build the foundation to the Middle Earth universe he created has the source of every everything coming from his version of God which is still God Aru Alivatar you know the, the old known the the kind of like the God, the Almighty. And he wound up creating these angelic beings, which are, in a sense, also act as demigods. But they're all from him, from this one source. So they're really sort of like attributes of himself. Some of them decided to take the characteristics like guardian angels of creation. One took on the water one took on light the other one took on the trees the plants the lands the other one took on the mountains so in a sense like the way human beings did we 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 assigned like in pagan cultures um aphrodite is the god of sex procreation human beings reduced her down to love and Lust in like ancient Rome. Um, Poseidon took on the sea and the land. You know, he was the, the shaker, the cause of earthquakes, and he was also in charge of water. Zeus wound up becoming the king of the gods, and he was the, the, the thunderer. Uh, then you had the god of wine, the god of music and light, which is Apollo. You had the goddess uh, Athena, the goddess of wisdom. All these are attributes. And they're all, in a sense, characteristics that we assign to God. It's kind of like a contradiction, really, when you think about it, because they're not all self-sustaining. They have to come from one source. And there is only one God. God. Later on, the Greek philosophers would question all this, and then they would come up with the the source of all of it. They wound up calling it the Logos, the Word, that gives shape, meaning, and order to everything. And and that's, if you ever remember, St. Paul in Athens saw an altar... He saw many altars to many gods but then he saw one altar to the unknown God and that unknown God, as St. Paul pointed out, is the one God who is the source of everything and all the others are only shadows of the one God You see what I'm saying? It all comes back to a source because human beings fell into sin, which we'll talk about later, they wound up through our imagination, we wound up creating these other gods. Like the way we wind up creating superheroes. In a sense, they're all like God. You know, someone said once you look at Superman and 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 all these others, they're just Greek gods, Roman gods, in spandex and capes. Alright, so he's almighty. So this is something we have to try to ponder a little bit more. Why is that important to us that we acknowledge Him as Almighty? Okay, so the Apostle's Creed gives only one attribute of God. He is Almighty. Since apostolic, apostolic times, however, the Church has identified no less than 15 divine attributes. And by now, a library of literature has been written to explain what they mean. God is absolutely one because he is the only being who must exist and because there are not many gods, polytheism, P-O-L-Y-T-H-E-I-S-M. He's not just one chief God, one chief God, henotheism, Okay. And this is meaning chief God with a small g, meaning the, the, like Zeus or Odin. Okay. Not merely the good God along with an evil God. This is, uh, kind of like the ma, uh, what we call today the yin and yang, sort of the balance, the battle between good and evil, between the bad, the negative and the positive. That, that's a very, um, it's kind of like something a lot of hipster elitists like to believe in that. It's a it's a way to escape morality. Like I said, remember, to believe that God is almighty means there's also one good. One good and also morality. This is important for all of us. Like I said, if we don't believe in this, we're going to allow other people to manipulate. And, and they can decide what is good and what is bad for us. And that's not good. Okay, so ma- Manichaeism which is the good god battling the 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 evil god manichaeism saint augustine jo- believed in this cult he was part of it for a while m a n i c h a e i s m okay we'll talk about that another time he is the true god because he really exists and is not a fr- uh, a figment the imagination projecting our own fears or desires he is the living God this is all part of the understanding the Almighty he is the living God whose life is his very essence he is the being whose inward activity is identical with his nature in other words he is truly God truly God um he's very he's self-sustaining. He is truth itself. There is no competition. there is nothing outside of himself. He's perfect in himself. He's self-sustaining. okay. Um, he is eternal because in God there is nothing past as if it were no longer, nothing future as if it was not yet. In him there is there there is only is, namely the present. That is why when Yahweh first appeared to Moses in the beginning, in, in the burning bush, and Mo, Moses asked him, remember, uh, I mentioned this, for his name, Mo, Moses asked for his name. God told him, I am who am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God is immense because he's beyond all measurement. He encompasses everything, while he alone cannot be encompassed by anything. He's incomprehensible because he is not limited in one way. God is not confined either in the manner of, of, of a body or of a created spirit. God is infinite not only because he, ha- he has no limitations, but because he has within himself the plentitude of all perfection he is all knowing all powerful and has absolute fullness of being god is unique because there is neither is there is neither is nor can there be another god he must have no equal god is pure spirit he has no body or spiritual dimension in our own language he is spiritual being who thinks and who wills he knows and he loves he is in the deepest sense a personal God and not some impersonal force or cosmic energy God is simple God is totally simple because there is no components or parts in him like body and soul or substance and accidental properties thus christ said of himself i am the way the truth and the life john 14:16 god is unchangeable because because he he eternally possesses the fullness of being there is nothing he can acquire that he is that he does not already have no lose what he already has god is transcendent not only because he is He surpasses all other things but because he is completely distinct from the world he is the totally other he is perfect he is perfectly happy and of himself without dependence on any other being for beatitude for blessing for light God God is finally the most sublime because he is beautiful in the highest degree beauty is that which pleases when seen That is why the scripture condemns those who are seduced by creatures. They have taken things for gods. Let them know how much the Lord of these excels them. Since the author of beauty has created them. Wisdom chapter 13 verse 3. The Catholic Church speaks of of the foregoing, of the forging. Uh, for going and and with nothing, i mean, God. God basically didn't come with anything, and he doesn't he doesn't have to go with anything. Basically, out of which he created the world, and he parted with nothing of himself to bring the world into actual being. So, let's look at it this way: He is Almighty. He's all present. He's all knowing. Okay? He's all knowing. Uh, God is perfect. Basically, he's perfect within himself, which is another sense of saying almighty. He is simple, meaning there's no body parts, there's no like body soul component. And so he has also. The attributes we saw. Okay, the attributes we saw here. Okay, sorry, hold on. The foregoing of attributes of God is God as internal because they're they pertain to God as He is in Himself. In today's world in which atheism is so prevalent, we must be clear in our in our understanding of who the one true God is. However, we must also recognize what are called the relative attributes of God. These are the divine perfections in relation to the world He has made. Among these the Apostles Creed mentions only His omnipotence or almightiness. By this we mean that He cannot do anything. That would deny his nature, like tell a lie, nor can he act or contradictory a manner like changing his mind. We know of course that God is also omniscient because he knows all, all things past, present and future. He is all good because he wants only to benefit the creatures that he makes, and he is even all merciful. In forgiving human beings, provided they repent for the offenses they are, they are they have committed against their loving Lord. So we saw some of those attributes. Okay, we saw them, and we kind of like come to understanding of them. He is o- almighty, he is. All present. He's everywhere. He is all-knowing. He's good. He only wishes good. He only wants good for his creation. He is truth. He is beauty. Okay. There's there's no uh, complex things about God. He's perfect within himself. He doesn't have body parts he's not dependent he's self-sufficient uh within himself he doesn't need to depend on food he doesn't need to depend on and creatures for himself um i mean you know we can go on and i think we we'll, you know we will we'll, you know we'll we'll go on with this but you no know, knowledge truth beauty uh all these things are are, are things we can we can you know, accept and believe about God and, and and that's, I think one way of starting to understand it, right? Okay, so he's almighty. He is one. He is the living God. He is the true God. He is uh, the eternal, he is all-present, all-knowing. He is um, beautiful, simple within himself. There's no uh, He's perfectly beauty. Um, and he's, you know, all these things that we can, we'll, we'll, we'll cut, we'll go down on the list with them. And I think these, this is a good start. So why are these things so important? Because we human beings want Justice. We want justice. Even let's say if we're we're selfish and some of us are willing to screw someone else over to get what we want. And the reason why we want, we will be willing to do that because we think we deserve it. We think we deserve to be happy and we want to be safe because there is some sense of, we believe that this is just, this is justice for ourselves. There are people that are willing to do that. You know, there's even family members that are willing to do that. But when you do that, when you do that, basically you have r- r- caused a rupture within yourself. Never mind other people, let's just look at ourselves. When you become selfish, right? Then what happens, let's say, if you're a father and mother? There are parents that will do this to their kids. There are kids that will do this to their parents. How many kids do we know have stolen out of grandma's purse? How many kids have stolen out of their father's wallet? How many kids have done this? Because we think that that person doesn't care about us. So we've become our own God. So we have to understand that once we've done this, we'll never live in a perfect. We'll never live in a in in a, in harmony. We'll never live. God created us, and He created us to care about other people. This God cares about His creation. He cares about us, and He expects us to care about others. In order for us to have a relationship, this is where. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honor thy father and thy mother. Look at all these things. Look at all these these laws that he's given us. This is basically the first start of having a relationship with God. And this this is what makes it so important. Why I'm saying to you, if we make truth relative, this is the beginning of tyranny. Right? Marxists, uh, Hitler, let's go look at Hitler. Hitler actually trained kids to betray and report their parents. He made himself God. Right? He also, in, in, in Soviet Russia in the beginning, they did the same thing. They basically destroyed the family completely. Destroyed any, uh, they made the state, like Hitler did, made the state more important. Than the parents. I don't know if you ever heard. Remember years ago. A politician Hillary Clinton. And others. It takes a village to raise a child. They basically cut off the parents. God. Is. Truth. God is love. We've heard that. This is one of the attributes of God. And God. And God wanted. The parents and the children to love each other. You should Honor thy father and thy mother. All right? He knows the word honor. He didn't use love because he knows that sometimes parents and kids don't have that. But this is one of the things. This is what makes God, God. He created Adam and Eve. He was their father. He cared about them. Even after they sinned, he cared about them. He provided for them. All right, so um, I do not want to keep this too long. We're going to come back again next episode, and, I, and we're going to go over the list again. Yes, we're going to go over the list again. And I'm going to use some other material to try to build this up. We have to really approach this, and we have to really, really grind it in ourselves to understand all this. Okay, the study of God. We have to. We have to really get to know God. And we have to get to know why the Catholic Church says these things, why Scripture says it. This is important for us. We have to do this, people. We have to start to get to know God. So let's end it here with an, uh, with an Our Father and a Hail Mary. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. All right, I'll get back soon, and um, we'll we'll really launch this. This was basically more of an introduction episode, and we'll finally get through everything.